Hi everyone, um, I'm Elle and I work in an advertising agency called Karmarama as a senior planner and a planning director. Um, I'm simultaneously very prepared and totally unprepared because I give a talk every year at Westminster School called Why Not to Work in Advertising. I love my job, there's a reason. Um, and But it's more relevant for those boys because they are generally very arrogant public school boys who make sweeping statements about how much money they're going to earn in business and so the reason that I talk to them is to sort of try and pull apart some of the things that they think is going to happen in their lives um, and I don't know whether anybody here is interested in working in business at all um, and I'm the only person representing business today so I have a degree of responsibility to talk about business based jobs. Um, can I just ask, like, is, it, is everybody here definitely going to go into art jobs like in your minds right now or raise hands if you're interested in maybe having a business job cool okay um, so it was really interesting actually hearing the introductory speech because I think that's the bit that careers talks don't usually include um, <laughs> the fact that when you choose your job you're actually choosing your life um, and actually that only starts coming into play when you get to being about 25 well, between 25 and 30, um, I've turned 28 this year. And it's interesting because I've got friends who got completely stuck and didn't know what they were going to do and took many jobs and have only just found what they're going to do now. And everything's sort of kind of falling into place. Um, I've got other friends who've gone to work in business and always knew exactly what they wanted to do. Often they decided that they wanted to basically sell the good years of their 20s in order to make a lot of money and now well, eventually retire early but that's like when you're 40 that's early so um, that's quite a big uh, compromise I suppose um, and my, my sister at the moment who's a, a English graduate she's a bit stuck she doesn't really know what she's going to do so what I thought I would do is tell you a little bit about my life right now tell you a little bit about my job tell you how I got into it and then I'll tell you why not to work in advertising um, <laughs> because the thing that takes longest is finding out what you don't want to do um, and all of these graduate programs I also don't believe that graduate programs are the right entry path for advertising if you um, if you've got definitely if you've got an Oxbridge degree um, but also there are so many other ways to get into it we can talk about that as well um, but yeah, basically finding out what you don't want to do takes the longest. So if I can dissuade anyone from applying to advertising, then that is probably the most helpful thing that I can do today. Um, so a little bit about my life. Uh, I am turning 28 this year. I am gonna boast now for about five minutes, um, <laughs> depending on what you like. I've just bought a house. It's been a proper struggle. Um, I don't earn, I probably earn maybe a third of what my friends who work in banking earn. Um, but I've done very well in a short period of time. So yeah, I've just bought a house. In the future, working in advertising will give me the ability to quite easily work a four day week. Um, so if I would like to have a baby, then I could do that. Um, I'm not having a baby right now, but <laughs> that's something that I think it's important to recognize. Um, as well as doing my day job, I also write a lifestyle blog uh, which I don't put any paid support behind so it just gets organic reach but that has a readership of about 10,000 people a month um, it's called Flow and L I write it with my sister and I, I do that because it's um, it's completely inane writing a lifestyle blog it's the space where you just write about like what you had for lunch but 
with a little bit more interest around it and it's it's really good to find your writing style so I do it because I like to write regularly and if I start writing properly or if I start writing I also started writing a play last year that didn't go anywhere um, but <laughs> when you when you do that kind of writing that you don't really have to think about uh, what you're saying then it allows you to find your writing voice so that's something that's important to me and I just about have time to do that um, and then the other thing that has happened this year that I've, I think I've probably been working towards without really realising it from the beginning of working in advertising is that my company has just signed off to pay for a website which I proposed to them which is called Fair Pay to Her um, which will be a not-for-profit organisation to help bridge the pay gap um, and the only one, well in fact yeah, the only one in the UK that isn't an activist feminist website so I would describe myself as an activist feminist, um, but this website basically encourages men and women to tell stories, and the stories get submitted anonymously. They're about things in the workplace. It might be uh, a guy telling a story about a colleague who had a baby and came back and works on flexi time and got a promotion that he wanted, um, and then the woman, a, a woman who works in flexi time, talking about how she actually works around the clock because she feels so guilty about her flexi time, and those two stories would be matched. And the idea of that is that. I think that the pay gap is normative, it's based on things that are inherent within the way that women and men talk about money, the way that women and men interact, the way that families make decisions, and nothing recognises that. All of the websites that I've seen basically act like there's a big male top-down conspiracy to keep the women out. That's not true. Um, so they've just funded this website, which is going to be sort of a creative exercise. The reason that I'm telling you this <laughs> is because um, I believe that advertising has the, has the capability to move people in interesting ways. I actually wrote um, my thesis about academia's inability to acknowledge art or artists who've made money and to discuss them seriously because of their post-Marxist hangovers. Um, <laughs> and I also wrote a lot about printed ephemera uh, in my first year. So it was always very much what drove me, it was anthropology, the way in which visual and images can move people and can create behaviours. And that's what advertising does. Um, back in the 50s it was evil, um, because it used to make housewives buy lots of products that they couldn't necessarily afford and it was truly manipulative in a different way from, it is, from the way it is now. But now I think it has the ability to um, add value to people's lives day to day because the reality of our lives is that we are surrounded by brands in the West and so if those brands can add a little bit of happiness or um, I guess play into your individual mythologies then that's not, not necessarily a bad thing it's just the reality of how we live now so I guess the way that I described this in a job interview which I didn't get was that I thought that to be an advertiser was to be a parasite on the capitalist vehicle that didn't go down well. Um, <laughs> just had a big argument with me about capitalism after that point. Um, but yeah, so I, I do all of these things outside of work. Um, I also do work probably between 10 and 14 hour days. Um, but I get re recompensed for it satisfyingly and I, I like my life and I think that I have the flexibility to do what I want with it in the future, whether that is to go more into not-for-profit um, sort of feminist stuff and pay gap stuff because I want this to feed into what the government's doing um, or whether it's to just stay in what I do and to end up um, being the head of my department. So that's my life. 
Um, my job is to be an advertising planner. What that means, it's very different from media planning, people often think it's the same as media planning. What that means is that um, businesses come to an advertising agency and they explain what, what they think their problem is. So it might be something along the lines of uh, Sainsbury's has a distribution problem, people uh, aren't going to big grocers anymore and Tesco's has overtaken them. What we need to do is to make people feel much more warm and fluffy about Sainsbury's than about Tesco's. Um, and then I'll look at the data and I'll look at um, cultural trends. So some of it's quite scientific, but some of it's totally non-scientific and is just um, sort of things or like hypotheses about the way that people are moving or the way that people are feeling about something. And I'll go back to them and it's my responsibility to be like, the intelligent client-facing person. There's the person who's like, hey, hey, let's go for drinks. Um, and I'm the one who's like, yes, I agree with you, this is your problem. Or actually, I think that your problem is that if, and this is the famous Sainsbury's case study, if people put one extra thing in their basket every time they went shopping, then um, you would be fine and you'd be able to compete with Tesco. So that was the um, Every Little Helps uh, campaign and it was also the the one that they did with Jamie Oliver where he basically was like hey your food's boring if you put a chili in then it's great if you put some cheese on top then it's great and so people were just picking up chilies and cheese where they weren't before and that uplifted their profits by a certain amount of money and it also meant that people were eating nicer food so it did a good thing as well it's not evil um, <laughs> so I have that conversation uh, where I say yes I agree with you or no I don't agree with you and I present them the strategy sort of based on what the business needs to achieve and then therefore what I think we need to do what kind of behavior we need to affect and then we have that discussion and then I take it back into the agency and I write what's called a creative proposition and a creative brief um, which has varied greatly from things like Radio 1 needs to help young people break the rules because they feel like they're constrained by rules or Red Bull needs to act a little bit like laughing gas does on the human body and run the whole way up and down people's legs and then the creative teams go away and they start thinking about stuff it's got some more like it's got some more behavioral stuff in it that brief but it also has this big sweeping creative proposition and then they come and they um, have work in progress meetings with me and I need to make sure that somehow them saying, oh, the answer is to blow up a massive balloon and float it across the whole world and to film it and for that to be the TV ad, but also we'll do like amazing land drops of glitter. <laughs> I need to make sure that that's going to work to move the business problem. Um, and then I need to measure it once it's live. And if it doesn't work, it's pretty much my fault. <laughs> so that's, that's what advertising planning is. The other roles in advertising are much more relationship based and administrative. They don't just take people out for drinks. It's nothing like Mad Men. We don't drink whiskey in the office every day. We do sometimes. Um, <laughs> and, um, and then there's also the creative side of things. But the other thing that nobody tells anybody is that if you want to be an advertising creative, you basically have to go to a design school or to an art school and put together a portfolio with another person and then go to all of these shows where you show your work as a pair. Um, so nobody can just go into advertising and be a creative now. So that's my life and my job. Um, and how I got there, I was actually freelancing as an advertising planner in the holidays of, from second year. So I've been doing this now for about seven years. 
Um, and I was really lucky to have realised that that's what I wanted to do. I ran a small, um, I guess, I ran a small advertising agency style thing when I was here. The strap line was against posters, flyers and paper wasters and it basically generated advertising through teaching people about advertising techniques. So I'd run like a workshop on PR, a workshop on writing a press release, a workshop on doing a experiential marketing strategy, a workshop on sort of poster design or even like Photoshop. Either me or like getting other people who knew how to do that stuff in the room and it was across Oxford and Oxford Bricks and then during those sessions we would generate the work for a live brief for something like the Oxford Playhouse or um, or like a charity. So basically people got free little bits of advertising education that they could go off to interview with and talk about and maybe even a poster that they could take with them. Um, and these people would get their marketing done for them for free. The way that that came about was actually that I went and did a, uh, well I did an internship which was expenses paid but unpaid um, at the ICA and it, I was there for three, no two months in one summer, that was the summer of first year. When I went there it was a really amazing experience, it was really amazing to feel like you were part of this artistic institution but I realised one really fundamental thing that meant that working within a gallery press office wouldn't be right for me and that was that when you've got an exhibition to get people to come to it which is sort of the interesting thing that you're trying to do you can't really do anything interesting with the creative idea because that's already there it's the artwork um, so all you can really do is say this artist is really great he's up and coming and often talk about how valuable his work might be in the future or what it sold for last year or you can say come there is champagne and that's how it gets written about by journalists and, and so it's basically your work is based on the merit of your little black book which it is also in PR but within, gallery, within the gallery world it's very much about making that network of contacts within the small world that is London and that is the London art journalist scene um, and having been somebody who was very interested in behavioural, I guess behavioural economics like how when you do something behaviours change and also to have come here to do my undergraduate I had to realise I think one of the hardest things I ever realised in my life which was that I wasn't going to be a fine artist I always thought that I was going to be a fine artist I grew up saying I was going to be a fine artist um, and I dropped out of art school before I came here it was really difficult um, and then I managed a pub for a little bit thought about not going to university because I was like well I'm doing alright here um, that would have been ridiculous Booked a one-way ticket to Peru, lost my passport and all my money, got stranded in Ecuador with no shoes for three months. It's <laughs> <laughs> my career path. <laughs> um, and, uh, and yeah, so in that moment at the ICA, I was like, I don't feel like there's anything creative that I'm doing here. I, I feel like I'm quite good at writing press releases. I'm quite good at selling stuff. I know that. Um, but what I'd like to do is to work with people and to work with their behaviour a little bit more. Um, and to work, I guess, with me media vehicles, but I say that in its broadest sense um, because I was very interested in like the printing revolution <laughs> as, and I'm very interested now in the digital revolution and the way that I got into my career was kind of through understanding digital stuff um, a lot more. So at the ICA, I thought to myself, right, I don't think that I want to advertise art or market art because art is a fixed creative entity. What I'd like to do is build brands and build commercial mythologies that I think add value to the world. 
I mean, that's a bigger discussion. Um, but that's what I decided that I wanted to do. And so I didn't apply to any graduate schemes. What I did was I sent my CV to uh, a Google search result of small advertising agencies in London. And that came up on a A to Z list. And I sent my CV off to A's one day. <laughs> and I got a call the next day saying, hi, we're a really small financial advertising agency. We're called Alphabet. Um, and we've got an ill account manager. We're only 15 people. We've got a pitch next week. Come to our office, please. I want to interview you. So I went along to the office and he asked me why I wanted to work in advertising. And I gave him a very like, sort of philosophical response. And he, then he said, what are your favorite ads? And I said, I don't know. Um, because I was completely unprepared for that interview. I knew what I, I knew why I was there from a personal level. I think that's the thing that people are often missing. Often people know much more about what they're going for so that you, you do that kind of superficial research so that you can talk about stuff because that's what we do in our essays. It's what we're good at. We're good at sort of regurgitating information in an interesting way. Um, but having both of those things, knowing why you're there inside you and knowing a bit about what you're talking about and what you like, those two things are absolutely necessary to win somebody over in an interview because everybody goes and regurgitates information in an interesting way. Very few people can give sort of the personal responses to why they're in the room. Um, but he was desperate, so he hired me anyway. And I did two weeks of uh, work experience for him, which he paid expenses for, and we won the pitch. And then he turned around and said, right, okay, well, I think that you're a planner. Um, I think that, that was an awful interview, never do that again. And um, he asked me to come back the next summer and to work under a freelance planner because they couldn't afford to have a full-time planner because planners are the most expensive people in the agency um, when it comes to client rate cards. So I went back and worked for him twice. He's now sold his company and is actually in VCCP, which is one of the biggest networks. He's doing amazingly. Um, but at the time, you know, he was just the head of a tiny little financial advertising agency. But I call him my ad daddy. I ask him any time I make a decision now. Um, and he's always there helping me out. So after university, I did apply to a grad scheme and I had a really awful uh, situation, which is why I don't think that grad schemes are the right way in. Basically, having now got to where I've got in an agency, in a senior position, looking at the way that graduates are treated, they're brought in usually at between 16 and 18 grand, and then the agency does everything it can to keep them there and to kind of buff them away when they ask for a pay rise. Uh, because what they manage to do is create this really hierarchical structure. If you come in as a grad, then you're part of that hierarchical structure. The reality of advertising is that it's not hierarchical and there shouldn't be that kind of structure in place and you should be as valuable as the value you can add. And usually it's the grads who add the most value. So um, what I would say is don't apply to a graduate scheme. My, my experience was absolutely horrific, but that's like a whole other thing. It's not worth sharing that with you. Horror stories aren't helpful. Um, but yeah, it's definitely worth going into a smaller agency. And I'd say that that's true with a lot of things. It's, I think it's also true with management consultancy, even though it does mean that you don't get one of those big, shiny, entry-level pay packets of like 45K, which are advertised everywhere on all of these big Bain websites. In reality, only like two people get those anyway. Um, and so when you look at retail consultancy jobs that are smaller, it's definitely worth just not thinking about the money when you initially go in. Um, but yeah, so that's why I don't think you should work 
as a graduate and then I went into a digital agency got very very specialized within digital went through a couple of those actually and then I applied 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 for things that didn't silo me just as a digital person so I'd not made a single TV ad up until last year um, I was very very specialized I was quite senior quite specialized very difficult to hire basically because I didn't want to take a pay cut um, and I wanted to go into an agency that would allow me to do digital advertising but also do TV advertising and to pull all of that together um, and finally it happened and so now I'm in my role and I've been in my role for nearly a year um, but I think my, my advice is go in small, specialise and then go broad because you'll end up getting senior faster, um, getting paid more but also getting more out of it because it means you have something that you really know to bring to the table so you can be confident when you're talking about stuff. Um, so then why not to work in advertising quite quickly? Well, I've, talk, I've talked a little bit about the difference between advertising and management consultancy and about how I get paid less than my friends in banking. Um, but I don't know if, if well, it's not widely known why that is. So basically, advertising isn't a profession and most business jobs are a profession. A profession is defined as a job that requires continuous learning. So it's basically like being a lawyer, being an accountant, being a solicitor. If you look at what, a, what an accountant does to a client's bank balance, they basically tell them how much money they have and how much money they have spent. And they get paid so much more than the advertisers who make them money. So <laughs> that's completely counterintuitive, but it's because our job doesn't require continuous learning. Whereas in accountancy, you're getting better every single year. So it's not a profession and therefore it doesn't pay as well and therefore it's not as hierarchically structured and you are in it on your own fighting for every single promotion you get, every single pay rise that you get. Uh, that's why I'm making my website because I think that what well, I've seen women not ask for pay rises properly. Um, I made the decision very early on that I was just going to, this is horrible, it's a horrible phrase, but that I was just going to act like a man and I basically sort of looked at this guy who was working next to me and was like, right, we're going to ask for a pay rise every time he asks for a pay rise. And I only did that for a little bit. After a while, it became completely natural. Um, I don't know how asking for a pay rise is going to go next time I ask, because obviously I've now got a pay rise website, so my boss is looking at me like, is this a massive hint? <laughs> yes, it's all just a hint, because I want a raise. <laughs> um, yeah, so if you, if you feel like you can sort of swim with fishes, up current and that you can do that for yourself then I think advertising is a great place to be but if you would rather go into something and if you'd rather choose business because it offers the kind of security and the kind of hierarchy and the kind of guaranteed ladder climbing that it does then I think advertising isn't the right thing. The other thing is that there is no shame in any of this. There is no shame in wanting to have your name in lights. There's no shame in wanting money. There's no shame in wanting actually to work for five years and then just have a family. Like it's all completely fine and I think we have all of these weird idealistic views of what isn't fine and what is fine when we leave university and also this view that if you work hard and if you do the same thing that everyone else does then you'll all be okay because that's what school teaches you but that's not really true. The truth is really empowering once you embrace it. You can do whatever you want to do. I was just talking to a group of students who I was interviewing for Radio 1, which is how I made it okay to come here today, <laughs> to kill two birds with one stone. Um, but this girl was like, 
well, what I really want to do is, um, you know, spend loads of time with horses and have lots of free time, but also probably have like an empowering business job. And, and there's just, you know, that doesn't exist. And I was like, no, literally that exists. My friend does that. She's about five years more senior than me in the same job as me. And she now has gone freelance, which means that she can be very flexible with her time and that she can get paid um, enough money in the time that she does work to spend half the year in South America horse whispering. I mean, you know, each to their own. But it is absolutely possible. And choosing something which you can have flexible working within um, and which you can freelance within gives you the ability to wake up aged 27 which she did and think oh, that's what I need to do um, and that's an amazing thing to do also career changes happen and that's something that I think we forget when we start choosing what our job is going to be and who we are going to be but lots of people absolutely chop and change the other thing about working in advertising that people often think that they want to work in advertising because of is that it's a creative job um, it's a creative job if you like creative thinking but if you like sort of pure creativity then advertising literally kills it because you've come up with an amazing idea and your client says yeah but can you make the logo bigger and also it would be really great if you could put like the terms and conditions really big in the middle of it and so for people who've gone into advertising because it's creative and because they love creativity and they want to see it flourish it can often be quite disillusioning um, I don't find it disillusioning, but it can be, and I've seen people become disillusioned by it. Um, comparatively to other jobs, it's not that well paid, and it takes a while to get well paid. Um, and you have less autonomy than a management consultant as well, because management consultancy allows you to go into a business and to be the business partner immediately, whereas as advertisers, we want to be the business partners, we believe we can be the business partners, but I think the client is always going to see you as a little bit more fluffy. So if you want to sort of go into something and be very business focused and almost get yourself a miniature MBA, then management consultancy is much better than advertising. Um, and the other thing is that if you're interested in marketing as a whole, then being a client is much easier and it's often much better paid. So to go to be a marketer within Cadbury's, for example, where you basically are the boss of the agency, you have much more input with the uh, business side of every single brief, and you also get to sort of choose what creative you like. Uh, that's an easier job, it's shorter hours, it is better paid, but it's, I think, much less interesting. Um, so that's a lot about me and <laughs> a bit about why not to work in advertising. Um, and I think we'll probably also keep questions until the end, right? Thank you so much, Al. Thank you so much.